Now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Mark Larson, thank you very much and everyone, welcome to another Sunday edition of Rod and Reel Radio. I am indeed your underfished host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and we appreciate you all tuning in tonight, giving up a little of your Sunday night to be with you, hanging out listening to some of the latest in the both freshwater and saltwater news that we can come on up with. Hey, we have a great show for you tonight. In fact, it was a jam-packed show. I have, First of all, I have to send a couple of apologies to a couple of guests that we asked if they could come on in later shows with us. Uh, John Campbell, the director of the Yellowtail Derby, he wanted to come and tell us about the Derby that is going to be starting on April the 29th. And now that you can get in for early entries, if you want to find out more about the Yellowtail Derby, get a hold of uh, John at yellowtailderby.com. And then also Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. He's also was scheduled to be with us. Captain James is back on the water. You can get a hold of him at 619 395 0799, and we'll have Captain James on in the coming weeks to give us the Southern California Inshore Report. Hey, let me tell you, though, who we do have scheduled for you uh, tonight because it is indeed a jam-packed show. From Sunrise, uh, Arizona, via Chandler, Arizona, we have the winner of the FLW Championship on Lake Havasu, Mr. Joe Uribe. And then later on in the show, Captain Clay Williams from Old Glory Sports Fishing. He's going to be with us for our session of Doc Talk brought to you by H&M Landing. Tell us what's happening up and down the coast when it comes to those yellowtail and uh, the rockfish. And then in the 6 o'clock hour, we have Captain Craig uh, Cantelmo from Vanstall Fishing. Vanstall is probably one of the oldest names in fishing reels. We're going to find out all about how Vanstall got uh, its reputation of being the number one fishing uh, spinning reel in the market. So join us then. And then later on in the show, general manager of the Fred Hall Shows, Mike Lum's going to be with us to update us what's going to be happening with the first show coming up in Long Beach here at the beginning of March. But before we get all this underway, let's take a moment or two to introduce to you the other co-host of Ron Real Radio. First of all, this individual is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT and a pretty darn good saltwater and freshwater fisherman in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, howdy. How you doing, John? Good evening, everybody. You know, 
I am really proud of uh, little Joey Rebe and Alan and what he's done. You know, we go back a long time. Unfortunately, my tournament did not end as well as his. <laughs> <laughs> you know, his tournament. You know, Joe. You know, uh, before I don't want to give away the story, but Joe came from way behind to win the tournament. Usually I start way behind and I stay there during the tournament. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, unfortunately, the, you know, that's not supposed to happen every tournament, you know, and, and you're supposed to get better and better as you go along. Yes. <laughs> and I hope I hope for your sake it gets better. First, got to go fishing. Yeah, that helps. Hey, Stan, let me uh, introduce the other co-host of Ron Real Radio. She is the national sales manager for Isoline, represents a lot of other fine uh, manufacturers in the fishing industry. I usually introduce her as uh, one of the greatest uh, sports enthusiasts when it comes to both fishing and hunting. But now I get the distinction. I think I'm also going to start introducing her as the Iron Maiden of uh, the outdoor world, Miss Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing, ma'am? I'm doing great, and I'm so happy for little Joe. <laughs> you, you and me both. I, you know, he's, well, we'll talk about that a little later on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, instead of us saying how happy we are for little Joe, why don't we get him on the show here? So, calling us from uh, Chandler, Arizona, where he's working at Cabela's, the winner of the 2017 FLW tournament at Lake Havasu, Mr. Joey Uribe, Jr. Joe, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Stan, Wendy, it's always a pleasure to speak with you both. It's been a while, and uh, good to hear from both of all of you, and I uh, appreciate you guys having me on the radio. What a great we excuse to get on with us, though, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I know you were at work uh, at Cabela's and Chandler. We want to th- thank the fine uh, folks at uh, Cabela's for giving you an extended lunch break over there so that you could be with us. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely appreciate that, and Cabela's definitely supports not only myself here at work, but my tournament fishing as well. Well, That's Joe, you know, cool. we've had you on, uh, we had you on last year when you were fishing the U.S. Open. You, you fished fairly well there, not as well as obviously you would have liked to. Tell us a little bit about how the 2017 season has gone for you so far, and what led up to you winning the 2017 FLW tournament at Lake Havasu? Well, obviously, you got off to a great start. This is actually our first stop for 2017 for the Western FLW Costa Series event at Lake Havasu. I'm just excited to get the year season underway. Um, you know, this is the only tournament trail I get an opportunity to fish, along with, obviously, the Juan Bass U.S. Open at Lake Mead. So it's truly a treat for me to get away from the office, away from the showroom and, and boat shows, and go out there on the water and get to do what I love to do. So uh, definitely kicked the season right. Uh, went out there a couple weeks prior to to pre-practice and actually had the opportunity to, to uh break in my new 2017 Rangers E521C powered by a Mercury 250 Pro XS. So got a chance to fish, break the boat in at the same time, uh, caught some great fish in pre-practice. You know, we had uh, wintertime patterns. The fish were outside and really hadn't started staging yet to spawn, uh, catching some really nice smallmouth and largemouth out there in pre-practice. But Obviously, as we encountered a lot of weather during the course of that month in between my pre-practice and the tournament, 
leading to with a lot of rain, a lot of wind, which really dirtied up the water. Um, the storms coming in and out really kind of scattered the fish around. And then we had the high pressure, the full moon, the high pressure. We had weather in the 80s during the first two days of the tournament. Oh so gosh, yeah. really threw us a curveball, changed things up on us, and obviously moved these fish around and made it really tough fishing for a lot of these great western anglers out there. Uh, you know, we had some great anglers out there. Mr. Roy Hawk, our 2016 angler of the year for FLW, he was out there as well. Justin Kerr, Sean Bailey, a lot of great anglers out there competing. And uh, all of us really struggled, even though we had the opportunity to make the top ten. Uh, it wasn't an easy task, I can tell you that. But the weights were definitely down than what we expected. We figured, you know, 20 pounds a day to make the top ten. And, boy, I tell you, I mean, I barely squeaked just under 15 pounds a day and was sitting in fourth going into the final day. So that was very shocking going into that final day. But... There was definitely some movement uh, with that weather. We had a front come in. We had scheduled rain, uh, some wind on that final day. Um, the fish moved up. The largemouth definitely moved up fast. The water temperatures went from the mid-50s to the low-60s in the matter of a week. So that was a huge movement, a huge swing in the water temperature. Obviously, the air temperature change, barometer, everything changed. The fish moved up rather quickly, um, and I kind of followed those fish, looking at my Lawrence electronics, following those fish from that 20-foot depth, moving up to 10, and then by the last day of the event, caught most of my fish in 5-foot or shallower. Wow. Joe, you know, yeah, uh, so. if we had heard uh, here that the conditions at Lake Havasu were really tough prior to that tournament, did you go in there with any perceived uh, notion on what you were going to fish with? How did you change? And was it any different than it was in 2015 when you won the uh, FLW event there? Yeah, it was definitely different from 2015. The, I got on the fish early, uh, of course, thanks to my dad, who lives primarily there in Lake Havasu City now. And, uh, you know, we got on those fish early on in pre-practice, and we knew what those fish are doing. The weather stayed much more consistent then, and, uh, and it just carried all the way along through the tournament. So we had, uh, you know, obviously a good feeling going into that event. We were on a very solid pattern. But this one was not the case this year in 2017. Um, the fishing was tough. We had a, a major uh, team tournament event. The weekend that most of us got up there to start our official practice for the FLW event, they had a Wild West team tournament out there. They had 92 teams, so had a great turnout for that. And they had a seven-fish limit that they were allowed to weigh in. And just watching the weights, it took 14.5 pounds to get a check with seven fish. So that right there obviously told me right away that the fishing was going to be tough going into our pre-practice, or official practice, I should say. So, And it was definitely the case. I mean, I was getting and practice five to seven bites a day, and that's fishing hard all day. So I knew it was going to be a struggle, not only for myself, that's fairly knowledgeable at the lake, even though I'm not a local there, but I I've grew up fishing that lake. I know it pretty well, and uh, it was very tough for myself included. So uh, we knew we had our work cut out for us. Um, you know, I wasn't letting my 2015 win dictate what I was going to do in this tournament. I, I've been doing this a long time now, know it good enough to know now to know that I don't let my practice dictate what I do in the tournament. I fish the day, fish the conditions, follow the fish, and utilize my electronics, anything I can to 
you know, make sure that it gives me the absolute edge as possible to keep on top of these fish. And, again, it's not us against the other 125 competitors out there. It's us against the lake and the fish. And that's you know, something I gotta, we stay focused I, on. So i, I got to tell you, I, Joe and I, I go, we go way back. I, I mean, I remember when Joe first started fishing, he and his dad, Beth, it was Big Joe and Little Joe, and that's why we call him Little Joe. And I may have to just stop. Start calling him Joe Uribe Jr. now for respect, <laughs> but, but but he, I mean, all the guys he was naming, I have to smile because Justin Kerr and the Bailey boys, both Paul and and Sean Bailey and and Joe and and uh, Mike Rook. I mean, there's a crew of of the young guys that that grew up fishing against us here that just became some of the best. In the West, I mean, they really did. You, I, I am very, very proud of what you've done, Joe, and 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 the man that you've become to boot. I mean, you have done a great job both fishing and uh, and being a dad. I mean, you've done really done a, a phenomenal job. I really respect what you've done with your life, also, my friend. But tell me, did the fishing in Southern California help set you up for what you're doing, especially on Havasu and, and the river? You know, honestly, the fishing in Southern California growing up, and, again, I remember fishing alongside with you and your brother, Ken, and fishing all the Juan Bass team tournaments with our tournament director at the time, Ron Servank, and that really planted the seed. That really was helping me grow my roots of, of, of what got me started and made me even more passionate about the sport of, of tournament bass fishing. So at that age, of course, I was a sponge, and I just couldn't get enough information uh, from you and all the other great anglers that I looked up to and I still look up to. So, but, you know, I mean, fishing in the FLW circuit um, has really made me fish a lot more versatile. Uh, you know, obviously I did uh, was able to win this tournament again, primarily on the swim bait that I won in 2015, but not the big giant Castake swim baits or optimum swim baits that we used to throw back in the day, Ken. I mean, this is a smaller, more modified bait, more kind of mimicking a gizzard shad, uh, which they have there at Lake Havasu. They don't have rainbow trout there typically, even though I know there was a competitor that did catch a trout up in the river during <laughs> practice, which was very unusual, but they do get planted way upstream in Laughlin. Are you throwing but, um, a hard bait or a soft bait? I'm throwing a soft bait. It's something that my dad and I modified. Uh, it is a soft bait. And uh, fishing it slow, fishing it effectively and efficiently in and around shallow structure. So we're not chucking and winding big swim baits over points and stuff like we used to do back in the day, Casitas and Castake. Uh, this is a smaller profile, a little bit lighter gear, uh, making more casts. But, again, fishing it more effectively and efficiently around man-made structure, habitat, shallow grass, and tules. Hey, Joe, we have to take a break right now. Any way we can uh, get you to convince those people at Cabela's that we need you on for another segment? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Hey, you're listening to Rod and Real Radio with our special guest, Joe Uribe Jr. He's talking a little bit about his victory that he just clinched on Lake Havasu yesterday. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back with you with more of Ron Real Radio after these messages.
You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio. I, <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> I, that is just absolutely awesome. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. We also want to welcome our special guest, Joe Uribe Jr. Joe just won the FLW event on Lake Havasu and just uh Give you an update. Joe does live in Surprise, Arizona, and we currently got him at work at Cabela's in Glendale, Arizona. And again, we want to thank the people at Cabela's for letting you spend some time with us, Joe. Thank you. Well, it's always a pleasure. And uh, again, like I said, just winning this uh, this first event in 2017 has just been amazing. And uh, it's my third win now for FLW, and it's just been such a blessing not only to win but to fish at this level and have the support that i have from 
not only my sponsors, but family and friends and stuff. It's just, it's just so surreal. Hey, Joe, when you were pre-fishing, what were you doing pre-fishing to catch a fish, and how much adjustment did you do then when you, those fish moved up? And what well, size what were I they? Is, uh, you know, when I started practicing, I really just kind of go around, and first thing when I got on the water was checking the water temperatures compared to what I was a couple weeks prior to, and, and again, just kind of running different spots. I would start shallow in the morning. As the sun was getting warmer and the day heated up, I started moving out deeper, out in like 20 foot. So I kind of knew that, you know, in the morning we weren't really going to have much wind, so to speak, uh, or cloud cover. So I knew fishing was going to be tough going into the tournament, just not only dictating what the practice was during the course of our official practice, but just knowing the conditions. Of course, hearing all the doc talk, a lot of the guys whining and moaning and groaning about <laughs> how few of bites they got, you know, of course, like we all hear all the time. So. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and I just didn't let that, of course, affect my practice, just kept going out there and just checking areas. And, again, I was getting enough bites. I felt confident that I can get five a day, and that was always the key is getting five in, in the boat. And right now at Lake Havasu and most lakes right now, it's pre-spawn. The fish are going to be bulked up. They're going to be the biggest they're going to be. So definitely quality was available. It was just a number of bites that were not. So, you know, I just figured I had to fish slower, more efficiently in the right areas. We had 125 great anglers out there. So, I mean, that lake, even though it's a pretty good size, I mean, that lake was pretty littered with boats, not only during practice, but, of course, during the tournament. We had a lot of local traffic there, a lot of snowbirds in town that usually frequent Havasu uh, during this time of the year. So we had a lot of boat traffic out there. But, uh, again, I just, you know, keeping tabs on, on the depths, the temperature, watching it on my graph, and moving up shallower again later in the afternoon as we did get some form of breeze, some cloud cover later in the afternoon. So making that adjustment, and I literally, in the tournament, went from one extreme to the other. I'm sure most of your viewers uh, and listeners have followed on Facebook or uh, Facebook and also on FLWoutdoors.com uh, as far as the midday updates, both days one and two, and then, of course, on the final day. And, uh, you know, I went from throwing a swim bait in the morning to pick up the spinning rod, throwing finesse baits on seven-pound test midday, and going back to the swim bait again in the afternoon. So literally went from one extreme to the other. But making those adjustments, being able to do that with confidence, obviously helped me overcome this tough fishing. Did that all-hum moment come to you in the second day, Joe, because uh, you finished in fourth place, which was really an advance in the standings for you, uh, or was that something that uh, you really uh, caught on to on uh, the last day? Well, believe it or not, one thing that I've learned in this game is being very, very observant and watching not only what I'm doing, what other people are doing, what the lake's doing, what the fish are doing, and then also comparing notes as far as, like, what I noticed on the second day during my fishing day was actually that I caught more fish on the second day shallower than I did deeper. I only caught one fish deep on the second day. That was my fifth keeper. That was a decent fish, but only one. And I spent quite a bit of my midday out there in that deeper water. When I went back shallow that later in the afternoon, I called out several fish. 
And uh, that was really what kind of keyed me in on knowing that those fish move shallow. But what I, what I noticed, though, was the big key to my success in having confidence staying shallow the final day was watching the quality of fish that were weighed in on the second day. And, I mean, a lot of the co-angers, there was an eight caught, which was big fish at the tournament. There were several seven-pounders. What I noticed I'm talking to those competitors was that every one of those fish were caught in less than five foot of water. So right there, that told me what I experienced out on the water would kind of reiterated what I had experienced is that these fish are shallow now. The conditions were going to change the final day. We're going to have cloud cover. We were going to have rain. Those fish were going to move shallow, stay shallow, and bite. And that's exactly what my game plan was, is to just go shallow, swing for the fence, the swim bait all day, and look for five bites. So, you know, Joe, that uh, really is what triggered me to, to, to stay shallow. When you started fishing shallower, did you go back to spots that you had fished previously? Absolutely. Or are you familiar with the lake enough that you know of spots that they come up into the shallows that you, you hadn't previously fished yet? Yeah, one thing I noticed that at Havasu is that these areas that we primarily catch them at, even though they're considered community holes, so to speak, is that there's a reason for that. The fish are there. They move up and down. Well, the weather dictates a lot of what the movement of those fish. So what had happened is, is on the top ten, of course, you've got as much room as you need now. You've got very little pressure out there on Saturday. I was able to fish more areas that I wasn't able to fish the first two days because of the amount of boat traffic that we had. So I had a lack of pressure out there. I was able to fish my areas and other areas that I hadn't fished yet very slow, more methodical, and efficiently. And I literally ran from pocket to pocket and hit every single Thule patch that I could find, and it really paid off. I mean, when I fished, I started on my starting spot on the final day, which is the same area I started on the first day. Both me and the first-place competitor started on the same spot, and uh, we both kind of fished. We stayed to our own sides. Uh, after I didn't get a, a bite, after a few tenths, like 10, 15 minutes, I ran around to the next pocket that I hadn't fished yet, just out of whim, just to see if something would happen, caught a five-pounder right off the bat. So right there, that told me, okay, let's run the next pocket, just to make sure that wasn't luck. Ran the next pocket, caught a three-pounder. I'm like, okay, now this has got my interest. Let's just see if I run the next pocket, what will happen. I catch another one over five, and I said, I looked at my partner, I said, game on. It's We're going to run every single pocket fish it slow, kept the, my Minn Kota troll motor on 40% the entire day. Whenever I'd hook up, I'd hit the spot lock on my troll motor, sit in that spot, or if it was shallow enough, would drop my power poles down and make multiple casts to the same area. And, there, and that really paid off because there was the next couple areas, I would be able to catch multiple fish without drifting into the area in one spot. Well, you know, uh, for a lot of people that aren't familiar with Lake Havasu, you have two distinct zones of fishing. You've got the main lake, which from the launch ramp to uh, south to the Bill Williams is about 24, 25 miles. And then within sight of the launch ramp, you actually have the mouth of what they call the river. And the river goes all the way on up uh, for almost 40 miles up into Laughlin. Uh, Joe, did you uh, fish the main body of the lake or did you stay in the river or both? 
I actually stayed in the main Windsor Basin along with most of the other top ten anglers. The one thing I knew going into this tournament that if somebody can keep it together and put it together every single day in the Windsor Basin was definitely going to win this event, and that was definitely the case. Um, I very little did I run past the island there of Site Six, which was just leaving the the uh, the outside of the basin, and uh, I really didn't catch much much going south at all. Most of my fish, let's say 90% of my fish, came in the Windsor Basin, burned about five gallons of gas each day. <laughs> That's pretty great. Hey, Joe, explain what you were talking about where the troll motor hit your stop lock. Because I know a so lot of people don't I understand have, anything I about that. I have the new Minkota Ultrax, which is like your Fortrex trolling motor that has iPilot built into it. So it's cable-driven and also electronic. So it's multiple. So what I can do is I have a GPS built into the head of my trolling motor. When I, I hit the anchor button on that pedal, it locks that coordinate and keeps that trolling motor right there. So if the wind blows me off the spot, the trolling motor will adjust itself electronically, motor itself back on the spot. So how I tested this is it was really cool. I had a lot of competitors watching me in practice. I'm practicing by myself. I'd pull up to a spot. I'd hit the anchor button. I can nose into the wind walk to the back deck of my Ranger Bass boat and cast off the back deck while my troll motor is running itself. That is a tool that has not been around before. I mean, in the last couple of years, it's been it's been a, a part, but a lot of guys never have not used that, and a lot of people didn't catch on to the versatility of that trolling motor system where in the wind where normally you'd have to pull past where you want to fish and throw behind you. This really becomes a factor where you can hit the anchor button, walk to the back of the boat, fish effectively the, the structure or the part of the lake that you'd like to cast to and, and still have your boat in the right spot. That's a great tool. Yeah. The key for that, I mean, it really helped me out, especially midday when I was fishing outside offshore structure and I had camera boats on me. And we had, of course, boat traffic out there, wind blowing, wave action, being on an outside spot, I mean, you know, especially when you hooked up on a fish, by the time you get it in and you set up, you got a motor back up to the spot, I was able, second I'd hook up, I can hit the anchor button, it would keep me on that location, fight the fish, get it in the boat, put it in the well, call, retie, reset, and I'm right there on the spot again. So Joe, it really helped make my job a lot easier. We're always talking about what a great smallmouth fishery Lake Havasu is becoming, Uh what was your mix of smallmouth and largemouth, and were they eating the same bait, or did you have to change up a little bit when you went after, a, you know, a different fish? Yeah, most of my smallmouth that I caught in practice and also, too, in the tournament were on finesse baits. I used a, a new rig that's called a Ned rig, something I'm still kind of experimenting with, with different heads. I had a custom mushroom head poured for it. Um, you know, you can do different baits. A lot of people, they, Ned Rig by Z-Man, they make their own little, like a smaller version of a Sanko that's got that elastic plastic. I ended up actually using a Sanko, cutting it down, and putting it on there in my favorite color of choice. And uh, so most of my smallmouth came on a finesse bait. All my largemouth came on the swim bait. Um, so although I did on the final day of that tournament, did catch a four-and-a-half-pound smallmouth, that I weighed on the swim bait on the final day. but So definitely a mixed bag. Um, going into the tournament, I'll be honest with you, with the weather that we had, the sunny days, bluebird days, and no wind, my target primarily was going to be smallmouth. 
But then as the course of the tournament went on and the conditions changed to cloud cover and uh, overcast, I focused more on largemouth. Okay, here, now, now we're talking about the Ned rig for everybody that doesn't know out there is a small jig head and, and what they use, the G-man baits are these four-inch uh, baits that are that extremely elastic uh, plastic that you can put on and one bait will last a long, long time, uh, but, and they've come a long way. Now, changing the jig heads and changing that bait on the back end of it, what, what kind of rig are you throwing that on, a spinning rod, and what kind of line do you throw? That's very crucial on the finesse rig. I'm using a performance tackle custom seven foot drop shot spinning rod with a Daiwa 2500 steez reel, and I'm using Sunline braid, which is very very critical. Using not only this rig but most of your finesse rigs, the braided line allows me to feel the bites better. You have zero stretch. You have great contact with the the bottom and what you're doing. I'm using 16 pound test Sunline SX braid. I'm using a fluorocarbon leader, seven-pound test FC sniper fluorocarbon, and uh, again, splicing How long the a leader? braid to fluoro. I'm using about a 12-foot leader. I like it a little bit longer. Allows me opportunity to retie times without redoing a, a leader. Um, so I definitely like a little bit longer leader than most. Uh, and again, I was using a 316-ounce custom poured mushroom lead head, painted in black with a three-odd gamagatsu hook. And then a three, a four inch Senko cut down on my net rig. I glued, I glued the bait onto the back side of the head so it wasn't sliding down the, the shank of the hook. So make sure that I got the, you know, maximum penetration when I set the hook and didn't have the bait interfere at all with that. All right. Uh, well, Joe, I know you can't do it without uh, sponsors and, and you're one of the guys that has one of your sponsors actually wants you to really work before the tournament and pre-fish comes up and you're uh, you're working tell us a little bit about that and the other sponsors that help you do what you're doing today well bridgeford obviously has been a true blessing for me and it's allowed me to fish at the level that i fish at here on the west coast i signed on with them when i moved here to arizona in late 2012 and been a part of the team ever since. Al Bridgeford and the crew there has really treated me like family and has been a true asset to me being able to fish again with FLW. I really enjoy doing promos for them. We do a lot of store appearances and not only the local Walmarts, but a lot of other grocery chains like Albertsons, Safeway, and Smith's. So have a lot of fun doing that along with my sister, Rachel Uribe. Uh, Ranger Boats, of course, have been a longtime supporter of me. Mercury Marine. Uh, Daiwa has been just super to work with. Kurt Awakawa at Daiwa <laughs> supplying me with all the reels that I need, uh, performance tackle, custom rods, and low Alamitos. Uh, Costa Sunglasses, which is actually our title sponsor for FLW here on the series that we fish. They've been a huge supporter as well. Sunline Fishing Line, A&M Graphics here in Mesa, Arizona, Reaction Innovation, Voss Weights, and... Of course, all my family and friends couldn't do it without them. All right. Well, Joy, Joe, just congratulations on, again, winning that FLW event. Man, uh, that's going to be almost like your home lake here in a little bit, and you're fishing against a number of great fishermen, as you and Stan had pointed out, that that's almost, that is their home water. And going in there and beating them up on them like that, really a pretty good deal. 
Yes, it, again, it was a true blessing, and I give all the grace to God. He's really been obviously a true asset to my success in my fishing career thus far, and just couldn't thank him enough. Uh, Joe, if you want people to keep in contact with what you're doing, how to contact you, see what you're fishing, maybe even ask you some questions, how's the best way to stay in contact with you? The best way is on Facebook, Joe Uribe Jr., also on Instagram, Uribe Joe Jr., and uh, just follow me on that. Or you can actually go again on www.flwfishing.com for all the latest tips and tactics all the pros, including myself, is a great way to keep in contact. Of course, anybody in the Arizona area, I invite you to come out to Cabela's here in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, our doors are always open. We have a great store. Unfortunately, we don't have any locations in California. So if you get the opportunity, come check out Cabela's. You won't be disappointed. Well, Joe, on behalf of all of us here in Southern California, congratulations. What a great start. And we look forward to following you in the tour coming on up here because uh, I know you're going to have some uh, uh, California stops, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Well, again, John, I appreciate it. Stan and Wendy, it's always a pleasure. And, of course, Rod and Real Radio for giving me this opportunity. Thank you. Well done, amigo. Well done. All right. Joe Uribe we, from uh, <clears throat> Surprise, Arizona, winner of the FLW tournament on Lake Havasu. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, Kyle Williams, owner-operator of Old Glory Sports Fishing. He's going to update us on what's happening off our Southern California coast. So stay tuned. There's still lots more Ron Real Radio to come. Are you ready to sell your current boat and upgrade in preparation for the 2017 fishing season? It's sure to be one for the bucks. I'm Zach Zorn and a broker for Kessler Yachts located in San Diego. As one of the largest and most reputable brokerages on the West Coast, I can ensure that your boat will be sold in a timely manner or that your dream boat will be found. If you want to sell your boat or looking to purchase one, call Zach Zorn at Kessler Yachts, 760-815-8866 so that your name can be added to our long list of satisfied buyers and sellers. at Zach Zorn, 760-815-8866. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. 
Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. And Stan, Wendy, and I, we do want to welcome Kessler Yachts to the Rod and Reel Radio Show. Zach Zorn, we've had on a number of times before. And we're going to have Zach on next week to uh, tell us a little bit more about Kessler uh, Yachts and how you can either sell your boat through them or buy a new boat through them. So just go to Kessler Yachts, that's K-U-S-L-E-R, yachts.com, and get all the information. Hey, it's now time for Doc Talk that's brought to you by H&M Landing. Normally, I have Fra- Captain Frank Orsetti on, but he's called me up early and says, hey, I want to put on the guy that's in the middle of the action. So why not do it? So joining us is Captain Clay Williams, owner-operator of Old Glory Sport Fishing. Captain Clay, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. I tell you what, uh, uh, Captain Frank brings out the A-team when he has uh, someone calling in for him. Uh, it's been going well for you out there. Tell us a little bit about what's been happening. Well, we've been doing the colonnette trips every weekend, and it's been uh, very good yellowtail fishing. Um, nice yellowtail, 12 to 25-pound fish. And, you know, mixed with the cod, you know, lean cod, reds, et cetera. So it's been pretty good fishing every week. We did just get back this morning, and uh, yesterday it was a little tougher on the yellowtail. We uh, we only ended up with one. Wow. Uh, but I think, I think we had a little change of weather. You know, I had a little low front coming through, and... The water's still nice. Still see a little bit of fish. It just wasn't reacting like it had been the last last few weeks. But uh, we did have very good red rock cod fishing. We, uh, you know, had to do a couple of drifts with those cod, and that was uh, that was nice. Well, uh, tell us first of all about the yellowtail, uh, uh, Clay. Uh, uh, how had you been catching them, and uh, had it been uh, you know yo-yo irons? Have you been using dropper loops or? Have you been? Were you finding more fish coming on surface irons and bait? Well, you know, a little bit of everything, and throughout the day it kind of changed. Um, the main go-to was the yo-yo iron. Um, they were biting it all day long, the last few weeks. But in the mornings, you know, we had some fish on the fly line baits and on, you know, sliding sinker baits. Also a couple of fish on the surface iron. And uh, also on the dropper loop, um, fish in the dropper loop with the sardine. So the fish, the fish were all over the water column the last couple of weeks. Although I would say the mainstay has been that full size yo-yo line, like a six X, solid six X, or a tatty four O, stuff like that. Uh, has color been making a difference, or uh, is it just a matter of getting them down there? And if they're there, they're eating. You know. I like to say you just get it down there and catch them. Um, you know, a lot of guys have been going with the red jigs, but 
you know, they're catching them on everything. We're catching them on the scrambled egg, the blue and white. I don't think it really matters on that. It's a matter of working at it. Staying at the railing. Keep on going. Just keep working that jig. And when those fish want to bite, you're catching them. You know, that's the secret every time. <laughs> Staying at the rail and keep working at it. And, and the guys that do that all the time are always in the, in the hunt. And usually there's five guys on any boat that catch half the fish on the boat. And that's just the way it is because they work at it and they know what they're doing. You know, well, you know, uh, good hard, good hard work pays off. That's for sure. Well, yep. Clay, I've been next to this guy many a times. He's sitting there stroking fish left and right. I'm uh, next to him on the rail, thinking I'm doing the same thing, and uh, maybe I'm not. Can you go over specifically when it comes to yo-yo fishing, the technique and the gear that you're using uh, that seems to be most effective? Well, you know, I, I like a little shorter rod, not the big 10-foot jig stick for it. It's just a little easier to control. Um, we're using 40 or even 50-pound test on any fast retrieve reel. Um, it just saves your elbow at the end of the day. You know, I I like the Dinosaur Chiefs a lot, um, any of the Trinidad's. But any of the faster reels work really well for it. Um, the main key, I think, with the yo-yo iron is, Pointing your rod right at your lure. Don't have a bend in your rod, but have your rod pointed right at where your lure is so the line hooks the fish. You don't need to hook them. You just need to reel. I think that's the key on the yo-yo fishing. And keep the handle turning. You know, keep moving that jig at a rapid rate. So when when you're fishing, uh, Captain Clay, uh, to get the uh, lure out there, you just uh, lowering it over the rail or are you – flipping it out as far away from the boat as you can, you let it sink, do you let it hit the bottom, and then what happens after that? Well, you know what? You can either drop it off the side if you can. Those that can cast, flip it out a little bit. I like to have a little angle in my in my yo-yo rod a little bit, not cast as far as you cast the surface iron. You have a little angle, and it seems to get bit a little bit better. Um, but for the most part, you can drop the drop it straight down off the side and let the boat drift away from them uh, and, and catch them. Um, another thing that's been happening is we've been getting on these schools and we're, we're getting the bait on them. We're, we'll get them on the sonar. We'll get on the PA and we'll tell everybody how deep the fish are. So we might hit one school in the morning and the fish might be 90 to 120 feet under the boat. When it's like that and we're in 300 feet of water, you don't really need to let it down 300 feet. <laughs> Maybe let it down 150 feet, you know, halfway down, and keep that jig in the bite zone. And we keep, you know, we get on the PA and try to help everybody through it. I say, you know, we'll see the fish. It'll be up high. We'll let them know. And, you know, if all of a sudden they come under the boat and they're diving deeper, we'll, you know, tell them deeper. The other, the other thing we really like to do is when someone hooks a fish, have them tell how deep they were and kind of get everybody in that same mode. Um, you know, and those fish do travel in school. So you hook one, you end up hooking two, three, four, and get, you know, pretty good pretty good shot at them sometimes. So when you're bringing the fish up, is there a chance that the school will follow those fish up and you stand a better chance of, of uh, uh, getting hooked up yourself to keep on fishing? Uh, uh, so can you bring the school in, or is it a matter of just finding them, going over them, and you've got to keep on drifting over them and, until you get that fish to bite? 
you know, I, I like to say every school is a little different. But, yes, you get the schools to come up. The last couple of weeks, every day, at least two or three schools are boiling around the boat. Um, not this last weekend, the weekend before. Our second or third stop, I mean, they were all around the boat. We had bluefin boiling off the bow, which mm-hmm. was interesting. Um, we did not hook any bluefin. I know I think the Eclipse caught one. Yeah. But, you know, we saw a little bit of fish down there. it jump around on your bait when you were throwing it out. So, you know, at times they're coming up and eating off the surface. And, you know, the guys did catch them on the surface iron and on the fly line base then. And then, you know, as the day went on, your next couple of schools, you might have one that, you know, dives down to the bottom and kind of stays on that piece of structure or stays on what they're on. And you're not moving them quite as much. So it, it, it works both ways with that. But always think they're going to come up with the other fish. That way, when they do, you're ready and you're catching them. It, uh, you know, keeps, like I said, the guys that work hardest at it are going to catch fish. As uh, uh, Chuck Taff would say, keep on winding and grinding. Works yes, sir. Every, works every time. Now, when it comes time to shift gears and uh, go to rock fishing, uh, uh, what kind of rigs are you guys using and what seems to be most effective uh, uh, for the better fish? Well, you know, the last couple of weeks, it does seem like just a plain, simple double dropper loop with live bait on it. It's been kind of the key on the reds. Now, yesterday, we had a very good drift where we were catching them on the jigs. Guys fishing the yo-yo jig. Um, other guys fishing the canis jigs, the flat fall jigs. They were catching them on them. A little bit of everything. So it was kind of fun. You know, it was a good change, you know, those to, you know, catch them on everything. But I would say just the plain dropper loop with the sardine on it, like the double dropper loop, 10-ounce weight, um, with two sardines on it, we're, we're doing pretty well yesterday. Captain Clay, do you, do you find that when you're yo-yo fishing uh, for the average fisherman like myself, let's say, uh, that uh, you go out there and you use monofilament on the yo-yo, but when it comes time to do those rockfish, it's a good time maybe to change over to spectra, or does it really make that much difference? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, a big deal on the yo-yo fish is I like having a little stretch in your line. If you have a little stretch, having that monofilament on there is um, really good. You know, it really makes a big difference on keeping the fish on your line. Um, and then when you're fishing the rock cod down deep, it's awesome not to have that stretch and, and have the feeling. You can really feel the bite on the spectrum. You know, I've agreed with everything he said. I like throwing the yo-yo iron out at a little bit of an angle. I like having the fast reel, and I agree wholeheartedly on a monofilament for, for any reaction bait. Getting a little bit of stretch in there is good, especially if you get rougher water. Um, and then having that no stretch for deep fishing because you got to get a hook in them when they're down deep, and that really makes a difference because you you can't just swing like you're fishing for bass and move three feet of line and expect to get a hook in that fish. So you know all of the little things make big differences when you're fishing. Yes, sir. I fully agree on that. And you know, and having the stretch of that mono and like a lot of guys are using that short top shot on top of spectra. It's a real popular rig, and even fishing the bluefin this summer, it seemed like having a little longer shot of mono kept fish on the hook. 
Yep. Um, a little bit of stretch in there. Yep. A little forgiveness, if we want to say. And uh, we've noticed that a lot the last few weeks. Guys, you know, I hooked eight and caught three. Because um, they all pulled and then They were pulling hooks just, left and right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Especially, if, you know, we've had a little, a little bump on the water. And, you know, the movement of the boat, you know, it, that no stretch, there's not much forgiveness there. That's very true. If you go long range fishing, the guys know you. A lot of guys use if there's no, if there's no wind and it's flat calm, and you got to get a bait away from the boat. Short top shot and, and you're running straight spectra um, to a short top shot is effective. If you get into windy weather, man, put on a hundred yards of mono uh, so that when the boat's moving up and down, you got that that stretch in the line and gives you that. That chance to get the fish on the boat instead of breaking them off or pulling the hook made big difference. It, it really does, and you know we see it every day. Um, every night I do my spiel and I'll tell them that, and you know every day it, it happens again and again. Hey, Captain um, Captain Clay, let's don't uh, ignore the uh, elephant in the room here. Uh, reports this past week that forty miles south of Point Loma there were. Uh, a bluefin tuna being seined, and then also uh, later on in the week, uh, about 20 miles uh, off of uh, Point Loma, again, uh, more bluefin uh, being seined. Uh, uh, have you heard those reports, and uh, uh, what do you think? Is there anyone going out there to take a look at those fish? You know, I've been hearing about these bluefin for a few weeks now. Where They're seeing some of it, you know, especially the boats traveling in the daytime, running up the line. Um, we've we've been kind of keeping our blinders on and making it down to Colinette or Camaloo a little bit below Colinette there and doing the yellowtail thing. But, you know, every day we go out between the skippers, we're all talking about what's being seen out there. And there's been fish from Colinette to the inner banks off Ensenada, up above that 40 miles, you know, the hidden bank and all that area. And then I've heard of some right below the islands. Um, I myself have not seen them. You know, we're traveling at night at that time. We're, I'm actually sleeping at that time, but we're not seeing so much of that, and we're running kind of on the inside because of the angle that we're taking down there. But um, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of talk of this, and and I don't. I think there's fish everywhere. It's a matter of getting out there and uh, and getting on them one time. You know, and I think I think that's going to come as the spring turns around here. Right, quickly, uh, Wendy. Um, yeah, I'm just curious. What's the water temperature and, and the color of the water out there? You know, it, it's changing a lot, you know, throughout the night. We've been fishing in, I'll say, yesterday we were only in 60 to 61 degree water, even 59 in the morning. And I think that kind of made a little change in what we had caught. By the afternoon, you know, midday, I think that water came up to about 60 and a half, almost 61. Um, we were fishing and 61 to 62 in the afternoon. Um, But, you know, we've had a little wind on it, and I think that was what the main thing is. We had a little low front coming through yesterday. We saw a little bit. We saw some fish. It just didn't react the way it had been. Well, Um, I'm sorry, but that that water up by the islands and outside there around the hidden bank, there's another little warm plume of water in there. I'll say it's 60, 61 degrees up in there. Um, you know, along the finger bank and outside of there. Well, um, I have not been fishing up there myself, but, you know, from reports from other boats that have been up there. Well, Captain Clay Williams uh, from Old Glory Sports Fishing, uh, 
I know you have regular trips that are scheduled to go down the, the coastline, fish Colinette, and you even get a chance sometimes to go a little further south. People want to check in on your trip, book a trip with you, because this weekend looks like it's going to be as good as any for winter fishing down there. How's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, you can call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. You can also go on their website there and get on get on right away without having to go through anyone using a credit card there. Um, you can also call me if you like. I'm, when I'm on the beach, I'm always answering my phone. The number there is 858-354-5712. All right. Captain Clay Williams, Old Glory Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. Thank you for uh, this uh, session of Doc Talk, uh, sponsored by H&M Landing. Hey, much success this week. We look forward to some great reports coming from you, not only this week, but some of the successive weekends. And uh, good luck to you, sir, and everyone that's aboard with you. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you having me on the air here. All right. Hey, Captain Clay Williams from H&M Landing and Old Glory Sports Fishing. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now, but we were talking a little bit about tuna fishing, and uh, uh, one of the great methods of uh, fishing uh, for these bluefin tuna that we had the past couple of seasons was using spinning gear with poppers on it. We're going to bring on a guy that is very familiar with using spinning gear. He's a North American uh, field manager for Vanstall Fishing Reels, Captain Craig Oh, boy. Ken uh, Contelmo. Captain Greg's going to be joining us after this break, so stay tuned. There's still lots more Rod Real Radio to come after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east main and el cajon or online anytime anywhere at el are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a bit set back with just what company to go with? Rod and Reel Radio urges you to try American and family-owned Land's End Charters. Land's End Charters offer their clients affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with their brand-name fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a family-run business with over 50 years of experience. Go to LandsEndCharters.com to see all the current vessels and amenities available and call Cabo Greg or Jenny directly at 800-281-5778 when you're ready to get fishing. 
H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal Mesa at 619-466-8355. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Southern California, welcome back to Ron Real Radio. Well, Stan and Wendy talking about bluefin tuna in February. Doesn't that kind of get a spark going that, hey, they're going to be here again? You know, the guys, we've been, I've got a plethora of friends that are yacht guys and skippers, you know, that we keep in touch with. Uh, and a lot of the private guys, private boater guys, have been, you know, they have their own little groups, you know, like they have the groups in the sport boats that, that uh, they all talk with each other, and one of, some, one of the big things that they were talking about is the bluefin were already out on the court, not in the Cortez, but on the Osborne or the Tanner out there already. They were already seeing that, some of that big bluefin again. And one of somebody said this weekend that uh, just Friday that they wrapped, you know, several hundred tons of or hundreds of tons of that big bluefin that was out there might have wiped out the season for the big stuff depending on you know they blame it on the rod reel anglers that you know we're taking too much but these commercial guys they're taking a chunk of that stuff already and their season goes march to march so what they just just took ends their season now and they get to begin again in march so uh, we'll have to see how this all pans out it's an, it's going to be interesting but the fact that they're still here is pretty big well, you, you know, know I, I, th- I think that um, they, um, I- I'm not too sure about the March to March, but I know they do have a quota. It's just like last year, they hit their quota and then they stopped. So we got, a- after a while, we got to go fish those bluefin. And um, so they were there for us and they stuck around. Um, hopefully the same thing happens. They do come back and we were able to get them. Yeah, okay. I hope that's, that, that is the... Uh, the fact there, but I was I I thought well I I had heard at least that that uh, that they started and ended in March and they get their quota between now and usually the middle of summer and then they're done. But if uh, 
if this starts up again, it could. It, we'll just have to see how this whole thing goes. And I'm sure the sport boats will will be on top of that and finding out, you know, who's going where. And you'll hear the the guys that are in contact with the uh, the planes that are out there, spotter planes that are out there looking. A lot of the guys use the spotter planes for the sport fleet too. So I'm sure we'll get updates here as it goes on. Well, you know, guys, let me tell you, there have been a lot of revered names that go way back in the fishing industry. We think about Penn, and we think about Iba Garcia and, and other names like that. But probably the premium reel that has goes way back, in fact, my dad used uh, this reel for surf fishing in the late 30s off of Montauk Point, Spinning reel in particular that has a great tradition and a great history is the Van Stahl reel. And we have with us the North American field manager for Van Stahl, Captain Craig Cantelmo. Captain Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, guys. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Stan. How are you guys? Excellent, excellent. Long history with Van Stahl there. Good, hey, well, I'll tell you, but nothing gets me more excited than talking about bluefin tuna, and I was so happy to see that you guys have had a couple of good runs because that is one exciting fish, and if you haven't done it, that is something that all the listeners should try to get out and do while you have a run that's pretty near shore. But, you know, you mentioned the, the history of Van Stahl, and it's a pretty unique history. You know, every year... Someone comes up to me and tells me that they met Mr. Van Stahl. <laughs> Just to let you know, there is no Mr. Van Stahl. Van Stahl means of steel. And the uniqueness of this story is that the surf fishermen out in Montauk, and that's where we started our route of hardcore surf fishing, was we went and found a machinist that was able to take the popular reels at the time and help us seal them, and overbuild them. So we went to a company, the name was Van Stahl. They were an aeronautics company that was building uh, airplane parts, and that's where Van Stahl started. So it was not to become a reel that was going to become mainstream. It was really a group of guys in Montauk saying, can we find a guy to make us about 30 of them? We all pooled money to go in to get this design made to really eliminate maintenance, so to make a very durable product. And that's really what it's known for today. Uh, were, the reels that a, making a, were the reels made for stripers or bluefish? No, they were made for stripers. So originally, and, you know, that fishery for us is kind of synonymous. You know, you get the spring and the fall run, um, that comes around Montauk where the reel was designed, where you get the false albacore, the bluefin tunas, the, um, the striped bass, and the bluefish was predominantly the species that we were going after. But with the existing reels on the market, that's a very shallow water fishery. So you found yourself, and that's where wetsuit fishing came in, where you would put on a wetsuit and you would swim out to a rock and you have cleats on your feet and you fish a tide there where the reel could conceivably be underwater for six hours at a time. The only time it would come out is when you would make your cast and you would use the reel underwater. So with all the existing reels that were out there, you would have to take them apart a few times a week to just keep them operational. So when Van Stahl started, it was, 
how do we take all the benefits that we have out there from things like the Luxor, the Crack, the Pen 706, and create a product that's going to be durable enough where you don't have to continually take it apart. So by using a machinist, all those parts were cut on the CNC machine, and it was really important because the tolerances had to be very tight because we were putting seals in it to make sure there was no water intrusion. But more importantly, that the material we used being aeronautics-grade aluminum or 6061T6 made it incredibly rigid. So with the hardened stainless steel gears and the titanium shaft and the waterproof drag, now all of a sudden you have this incredibly durable but ultra-rigid platform that allowed us to really take over that surf fishing marketplace. What kind of drags, uh, what, what pound uh, drag were you developing in those reels? And do those reels uh, of that era, do they look much different than the reels that we see today from Van Stahl? You know, the original VS reel, which is the Bayless reel, I think if you asked what a Van Stahl reel is to the average person, is still the foundation of what Vanstall is. So that, and we'll talk about why there's a Bayless reel in a moment, but the drag pressures exceed 40 pounds on the VS reels, on the bigger ones. So, but back in the day, it was a mono fishery. When we started in 91, we were still using, you know, 20-pound uh, mono on most of those reels. And it wasn't until the really mid to late 90s when braid took over the marketplace and we were uniquely suited for that really by just the way the reel started because of the materials that were used where we didn't have to change anything to be a braid ready reel because it was already so overbuilt and rigid we never had any problems going to a no stretch you know ultra strong super braid where it never really affected us the other benefit, too, was because if you look at Van Stahl, the gearing is very unique. It's a, uh, when you look at the gear ratio, our fastest gear ratio is 4.75 to 1. When most guys look at that in spinning, they go, oh, my God, that would be too slow. But what we do is we put larger size spools on it so that you're getting your 40 to 44 inches per turn that get you your speed, but allow for that great capacity. And then when you talk about bigger fish, when you hook up, you have unbelievable control because of the torque of that 4.75 to 1 gear. Wow. Uh, crazy. Well, you know, we started thinking about spinning reels out here when these big tunas started showing up a, a, a couple of uh, uh, years ago here. And, and what the guys were doing is... Uh, they were looking for different ways to hook up these fish because they were so finicky. And so what they'd start doing is they'd start bringing out their poppers. In fact, Stan, you've got a story with Roland Martin when you were down in San Martin <laughs> that uh, I think uh, Roland brought out like a Mitchell 400 or something uh, and a popper and, and tried to pick up on a big tuna. And, uh, boy, he had to come to Jesus meeting in a hurry about reels, did he not? Well, he did, and he, but he was a... He originally was a machinist, so he remachined the whole inside of his Mitchell 408 or whatever that big one was that he had and rebuilt the drag systems and thought, you know, I'm going to catch one of these big 100-pound-plus, 
yellowfin out there on a popper, which he pulled out that spro popper and threw it out there, and it was a raging current, got behind the boat, hit it a couple of times, and we were waiting, honestly, for that, because he had 80-pound braid on a, on a spinning reel. We were waiting for that spool to be pulled off and just pulled right through the guides off the tippet. But <laughs> it didn't happen because it was a white shark came in and snipped the kept snipping away until he just landed the head. But he did he did stick one on that. He just didn't have the torque to pull the the, the fish in with that particular reel. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, built-in factors to putting torque and turning the handle on, especially on a spinning reel. All right. Hey, hey guys, we got to take sure. a break right hey. now. We're speaking with uh, uh, Captain uh, uh, Craig uh, Cantelmo from... Van Stahl, Captain Craig, can uh, you spend uh, another, uh, you know, segment with us and tell us more about Van Stahl, especially what they're doing today? Absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now. You're listening to Ron Real Radio on AM540 or at ronreelradio.com. Stay tuned. There's still a lot more radio show to come. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today HM landing 619-222-1144 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fish at Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we do want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio, and we are speaking with the North American field manager for Van Stahl Reels, Captain Craig Contelmo. And, 
Captain Craig, you know, we've talked a little bit about the history of uh, Van Stahl and how some of the components evolved into what we've seen today. But, you know, we might have a problem this year where these big fish are coming on back and we're going to be fishing with them maybe with poppers or whatever it is. Tell us about the uh, Van Stahl products of today and and how uh, uh, fishermen can get into these products. Sure. Well, you know, uh, I love that story about Roland Martin. That's a, a great story going out there with his Mitchell. And that's what it's all about. I mean, with spinning and what we've done is taken that original VS reel, which is perfectly capable, and a lot of guys still use that to target the blue fins. But as fishing has evolved and that fear factor with the bailless reel that was designed to eliminate snap-offs and to just get rid of additional parts that aren't needed in a rougher environment like surf fishing, we made the VSB line of reels, which is the Vanstall bailed reels, which have become really popular in the tuna marketplace. So that's the VSB 250, and you talk about bigger fish. On the East Coast now, um, we're looking at fish in excess of 73 inches that um, we're targeting on spin. Wow. So every year a 400-pound <laughs> fish gets caught. So when you look at that, I'll, I'll tell you, when I, I was listening to the tuna regulations that you guys are talking about, and it's the same way on the East Coast. You know, it's the commercial versus the recreational. But I'll tell you what happens with spinning. When you tangle with a fish like a 73-inch plus tuna, the admiration you have for that fish when he comes alongside of the boat, it makes it feel really good to pop the hook out of that fish and watch him swim away. You bet. Now, so explain a little bit about your reel there. What's the difference between fish? The, the reel you were talking about and the reels of old? Because there's a big difference between what was and what is now. Well, you know what? The foundation remains the same. So even the VSB reel that we put the titanium bale on, it still relies on that stainless steel gear and the titanium shaft and the patented waterproof sealed drag. So we just incorporated the drag that makes it easier for anyone to pick up that reel now and be very successful and see the benefits of how the tight tolerances and the machining makes that reel so durable and powerful to be able to, you know, when that fish starts to do those big circles to be able to get two or three cranks on him, every time his head starts coming up is extremely important. And that's what the van stall allows you to do with that gear. Now, uh, Craig, uh, out on the East Coast, you're fishing the continental shelf, a lot shallower water than you're seeing over there. You can be a couple hundred feet, many, many, many miles off uh, of the coast. Uh, here on the West Coast, we're we're fishing, you know, sometimes in thousands of feet of water. Doesn't that give you a little bit more of advantage on the East Coast than we have here on the West Coast? Uh, I'll tell you the, a bigger difference than that. That continental shelf, you know, a lot of places you have to run 80 miles, 100 miles to go hit the uh, the shelf itself to drop off so when you get to the canyon the majority of blue fins for us are within 10 miles of the shoreline most of it if you go up to the cape cod region you're you could see and make out people on the beach while you're casting at giant blue fins 
crashing through <laughs> mackerel, herring, or sand eels. It's the most amazing fishery, and it's a center console fishery that I'll tell you in the early days, and I'll share a story with you back when this first started, our fish were smaller. They were anywhere from 30 to 50 pounds with an occasional 100-pounder. But we would go surf fishing all night, and then a friend had a 16-foot center console that we used to go out of a place called Pamet River, which is right next to uh, Provincetown on the tip of Cape Cod. You would leave the inlet there, and within a mile, you would just shut down. And on calm summer days, you would just look for a wake. took us a long time to figure this out, but what would happen is that the bay there is, you know, uh, up to 300 feet. So the tunas would go down, eat squid, some of the bottom fish, and they would come lay up on the surface and sun themselves and digest. <laughs> so it looked like a boat wake would go by, and they just slowly push water. And we'd take that 16-foot boat with white sluggos with a single hook in it, and you'd get in front of those fish swimming, and you'd cast in front. And at the day, when we talk about reels evolving, We'd hook up those fish with, like, pro blue Loomis rods, and we'd have a VS-250 that we surf fished the night before with, and we were hooking these fish and beating them in about 15 minutes. But you'd hook 20 of them, and you'd land five. And it wasn't because of the reel. It was because with braided line technology, it was the connections. It was the rod. It was the, uh, many of the factors that came in that today we've kind of worked out all those bugs for success. And it's been really a 10-year process to get it where you could go out, target those fish, hook them, and land them. And, you know, John, you're absolutely right. That fishery is a little different where, you know, if he goes down at the bottom in 250 feet of water, um, there's still a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, no, you, so you, for you, us it's that. It, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I've finished your statement there. No, I was going to say, when we could then start to kind of pump those fish, they have nowhere to go. And you're in a center console, so it's kind of teamwork. That guy gets on the front of the bow, and you could kind of let that fish pull that boat and wear himself out. But the rods have evolved to the point where now you're not using these really fast rods you're using more parabolic rods. So for the longer battles on these bigger fish, it makes it more comfortable for the angler. So an hour battle with 18 to 22, 23 pounds of drag isn't unheard of. I mean, that's the norm today. In, in, uh, and I was just going to state the, you know, you know, when you were talking about the, when the guys would first, They'd hang them. They get you know a few out of out of twenty instead of you know all of them because of the learning. It's the learning curve of the connection and the knot and the right hook. I mean, all of that comes into play with the arena that you're fishing in. And I mean, it's different when you're fishing local offshore in California, and then if you go down to Clarion and the Hurricane Bank, it's a whole different story. But the connections that we've had to put together for monofilament to spectra or spectra to fluorocarbon because that right that dynamic right there is a is a learning curve in itself uh, the right hook to yes, hold sir. the fish with the with the 
spectral line where they shake, and then now you've got direct contact um, and and a lot more pull power, and you, you you'll pull the hook. So you have to have the right hook. All of the little components that you utilize in that style of fishing make a difference. So you know that learning curve is continuous. It's that I think is one of the most interesting part of our sport. Yep, Frank? and you know it's neat and for. For what we did over the last 10 years, I'll tell you a couple of things that if this can help one angler out there, and I know that the East Coast, West Coast little battle of who does things better, but I could, you know, having laid on the deck with the 350-pound fish last season, when you eliminate knots, if you could go to a loop-to-loop connection where you're servoing in or you're, uh, a wind-on leader, and you're eliminating the knot to your lure. So you're going to a crimp, and you're using a chafe guard to a welded ring is probably the biggest success factor. And if you have to use a knot, what we found, and, and I'd love to hear your opinions on it, is the FG knot is by far superior for that spectra the fluoro, and, you know, we used to use the reverse Albright, the Slim Beauty, the double uni knot, and all of those knots were great, and they caught fish, but the game changer today, if you're not going to a wind-on loop-to-loop connection with hollow core, it's that FG knot. All right. Craig, we will talk about that another time, but what I wanted to get into is Van Stahl, Obviously, quality product, but it's a pricey product. But Van Stahl coming up now is doing something to get more fishermen into Van Stahl products. And tell us a little bit about what's happening in 2017. You know, 2017, we have the VR Series Reel. So we're really excited about it. Um, it's been out for a year. It, we introduced it in 2016. It's called the VR series, which is uh, the lightest waterproof sealed reel ever made. So in a package that's 18 ounces, you have a hardened stainless steel gear that's a little faster now. So uh, you see the 4.75 to 1, you have a stainless steel shaft, and you have a patented waterproof sealed drag in it. And it's a forged body, which then we machine. So the body is very rigid. And it's self-serviceable, so there's no additional tools. A consumer can get it and be able to take that whole reel apart and service it himself, so it's very user-friendly. But more importantly, it's completely sealed. So if it's in the gunnel and you're running and it's on the windward side, you don't have to worry about that reel getting you know, doused all the time and worry that it's not going to perform like any other Vanstall product. The neat thing about that too is now it's priced between four ninety nine and five eighty nine. So very reasonably priced in the market. And one thing that has always amazed me about Van Stahl, fishermen come into the shop all the time and they look at reels, they like them, they want to know what the warranties are about them. What happens if something goes wrong? But Van Stahl probably has the best warranty of any reel manufacturer in the country. Tell us about that. Sure. Well, you know what? It's kind of semantics. We started with the limited lifetime warranty where if you bought the reel and you serviced it every year, 
it was covered. So what we did, the average guy owns four reels now out here on the East Coast and some of those guys in the striper market up in um, San Fran. But we wanted to make sure that we didn't mandate that someone had to get their reel serviced. So it's really um, you service it when you need to. And we have a service program that's forty nine ninety five. You send it in when you need it. We change all the seals in it, clean it out, re-lube it, and get it back to you. So it's something, when you look at the first reels we made in 1991, they're still coming in for service. And that's a tribute to just the uh, materials that are used and the workmanship. And that's really what's made the brand Van Stahl be so respected in this marketplace is because of the investment someone makes that it's sound and they know that they're getting a quality product and our company's going to stand behind it. And, and Craig, just quickly, do you have a, a story? Cause I've heard a few uh, just amazing stories that I can't believe that this happened to a Van Stahl reel and it's still working. Uh, do you have a story like that that you can relate to us? I do. Where, where I live, out here, there's a. I live at the end of Long Island, eastern Long Island. It's all uh, rocky shorelines, and it's the first place where Long Island Sound meets Block Island Sound. There's a long, rocky point that goes out, but it's about a 400-yard walk with water moving at about six knots that you have to make your way out to this rocky point. And it's a very scary area to go through, and you have to put on a wetsuit, and you have to be very careful. Well, a couple of guys got swept off, and the first thing the guy did was drop his rod and start swimming, dropped his plug bag, and he called me up. He let me know, hey, if anyone ever finds the reel, I lost it. And I said, well, if it ever comes back, I'll let you know. About nine months later, guy was fishing off of Orient Point, and he's striped bass fishing on the bottom with a bucktail, and he snags this gentleman's rod and reel. He pulls it up, and it's missing the handle assembly, but everything else was on the reel. And we got the customer his rod back and his reel that we opened up, and there was no water in it. And all he had to do was put a new handle assembly on it, which we did for him at no charge, and he was back in business. Oh, man. Amazing story, Craig. Hey, we're just about running out of time for the segment. If people want to find out more about Vanstall Reels, the selection, the stories, applications, uh, models that are available, how's the best way to go about doing that, Craig? Well, please visit Vanstall.com and visit our Facebook page, which is Vanstall Fishing. And you could always contact me directly with any questions, which is Craig at vanstall.com and remember vanstall is spelled v-a-n-s-t-a-a-l.com all right captain greg cantelmo from vanstall thanks a lot for telling us about probably one of the most durable spinning reels that's available on the market today appreciate you taking some time i, I know you're in the eastern time zone so uh Appreciate you staying on up and sharing some of your Sunday with us. We look forward to checking with you from time to time to find out more about Vanstall Reels, and thank you for being with us tonight. John, Wendy, Stan, thank you so much for having me on. All right. 
Very welcome. Great, great reel, by the way. <laughs> you got it, sir. Hey, hey, we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, Mr. Mike Lump, general manager of the Fred Hall Shows. Yep, the Fred Hall Shows are right around the corner. They're going to be honest before we know. We're going to get a hold of Mike and find out what we need to know about the upcoming shows. So stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief. It's here, and it's time to go on the Chief. For those of you who are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips, ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at Chief Sport Fish Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program. It is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-227. 7262 or just spell bass boat 1-800 bass boat i know there's too many letters but the t is free and the calls on me that's 1-800 bass boat the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance for more information log on to 1-800 bassboat.com hey we do want to welcome you back to rod and reel radio and we've got mike lum with us but just quickly before we get to mike lum wendy you just got to notice that uh, we're having a a great season when it comes to a lot of water up in uh, the Northern California area, but right now one of the most iconic lakes in Northern California is in jeopardy. Can you just give us a, a brief rundown of what's happening? Uh, yeah, I just saw a post from Merritt, and he said that uh, Oroville Dam spillways on the Feather River are about to go out, and there's an emergency um, evacuation going on right now. And, you know, I just saw another post, and they said that Yuba City was one of them. I wonder if uh, Jerry Dobbins is in that. Boy, he should be well, right Dobbins into Dobbins is it. in Yuba. That's his home. 
I don't know if a lot of you have seen the pictures that are coming uh, out of there, but the water is coming over the the uh, uh, the spillway. It's coming on down a spillway that had been damaged for a long time, and our state authorities uh, thought better not to repair it because, you know, it never rains in California. Now there's a great amount of erosion over there, and there is an evacuation notice uh, that Lake Oroville might fail, and everyone that's... Uh, located by Oroville, Palermo, Gridley, South Oroville, and those areas over there that they evacuate because they believe there might be imminent danger of the dam failing. So, uh, hey, we stay tuned to that. I know on your local news you'll be seeing more of that. Hey, let's get to our... A, there was such a volume of water coming out of the spillway because they couldn't control the amount coming in, and the spillway was already busted up a little bit, and they, they, it became this huge body of water rolling over there uncontrolled that dug a huge hole and in the uh, area below. They tried to then kind of shut that flow off and reroute the water, went around, and they dug out the mountain <laughs> mountainside on the other side, moved rocks and slabs of concrete. It just popped everything up. So... And then at the end of those little notations that they, they sent out as a warning, it says, this is not a drill, this is not a drill, this is a serious, serious situation. This is the real thing. All right. Hey, let's get on with our next guest. As we were saying, it's showtime. And what shows do we have in Southern California that the fishermen and the outdoor enthusiasts are most interested in? Well, it's the Fred Hall shows, and we have the general manager of the Fred Hall shows with us. And I hear he's only been working half days to get these shows ready, like seven, 7 in the morning to 7 in the evening or something like that. Let's welcome Mr. Mike Lum. Mike, welcome to the show, sir. Hi, everyone. Uh, good evening. And, yes, half days would be uh, not bad, actually. Sounds no, good. no, that's half of a 24-day, 24 24-hour 24 day. That's just 12 oh, I, hours. I know. And, you know, you could do better. <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, Mike, we're we're getting down to the short short strokes right now. Tell us, you know, first of all, quickly, what type of things are you and the front hall uh, crew doing to prepare for the show? And then, what are some of the things, especially starting off with the Long Beach show, that we can, you know, really look forward to seeing? And I know, you know, we're not giving you two hours to do this. So <laughs> what what's up? No, there's a lot, a lot to cover. You know, the first stage of the process uh, was completed when uh, Long Beach and Bakersfield completely sold out. So we're no longer selling boost space. We're 100% engaged in getting the advertising out and uh, working on the seminar schedules and all the stuff that then has to be done so we can get ready. And, and literally, it takes us right up until uh, the day we leave for the show, and we're still scrambling trying to get things together. That's how tight at the end this comes together. But there's a lot of moving pieces, and you know we're dealing with thousands of exhibitors, and uh, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes to make, to make it come off. But so far, we're on track, and it looks like everything's going to work great for all three shows. Well, when you talk about seminars, how many seminars are you trying to put together for just the Long Beach show alone? 
We'll have uh, in total over 400 seminars in the, in the five days. Those are including, you know, how-to demonstrations and whatnot, but four, over 400 different ones. And uh, I finished up, uh, I, I would say I'm 99% on those today. And uh, by tomorrow afternoon, I think I'll have them finalized. And by, by Tuesday or Wednesday morning, they should be live on the Fred Hall website so people can start planning their days out, figuring out what they want to do. Um, we have a, a very broad selection of seminars that range everywhere from uh, freshwater bass fishing to the giant bluefin and private boat stuff, party boat stuff, long-range stuff, Sea of Cortez stuff, Alaska stuff. It's just it, we cover the gamut and, uh, of course, trying to, trying to do that with seven, I think we're at seven different seminar venues uh, within the show, and a lot of the seminar speakers do multiple things. And so uh, it, it's sometimes difficult to, to make sure that the times don't overlap or we give the guy enough time to get back to his booth for an hour before he has to go do another one. So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts, but uh, it looks like it's going to all come together and everybody's going to enjoy it. You know, you talk about 400 different seminars, but the way that you have the show set up with the manufacturers there and then those people that are selling, an individual it almost gets a seminar with every booth that they go by on how to fish a particular technique or how to use a particular item that's available in that booth that you get one-on-one like you can't get anywhere else. Well, that's that's one of the very rare things uh, that the Fred Hall shows offer, and and most people that haven't traveled around the country and haven't seen some of the other uh, consumer fishing shows don't understand that cons- that factories manufacturers don't don't really attend many consumer shows. Long Beach is one of the few shows where we see the uh, the ICAST trade show style displays brought into a consumer show setting. Um, uh, Del Mar, we have uh, the manufacturers, but very rarely do we see them bring their trade show style booths. So they're they're actually more in in the more normal 10, 20, 30, 40 foot type lineups. Where Long Beach, they bring in the big guns and and bring people. Their staff comes out from back east, just exactly like the ICAST trade show, but it's for the consumers. And you're right. When you walk into a factory booth, you get to hear it straight from the guy's mouth. Sometimes the guy who designed the product is there to help talk about it and tell you why you should buy his product over the next. And and that's a very rare thing, and I think it's one of the things that makes the Fred Hall shows uh, stand out from the rest. You know, this is just not a series of shows that for the hardcore um, you know, outdoor enthusiasts, this is also a vehicle to bring the families to because the way you and, and Bart and your staff have, have scheduled this thing, there is something for everybody at a Fred Hall show, not just the, the hardened outdoor enthusiast. No, we spend a lot of time each year uh, trying to figure out what we can do in addition to what we already do to bring a family atmosphere to the show and to and to and to provide opportunities for the kids, uh, from the little guys all the way up, uh, teenage level kids uh, that may not have been as hardcore angler that their dad is, or may not be the uh, hunter just yet, but uh, they still find a lot of stuff to keep pique their interest at the shows and we what i see every year is i see entire families i see the granddads with the son and the grandson and the baby on the way um all at the show at the same time and and we're very proud of that it's not something that you would normally think of when you think of a sportsman show we try to we try to provide something for the entire family and we have a we have a tremendous selection of boats this year uh more than we've seen in probably uh, 10 years now. Uh, the halls are completely full of boats, and we turned away some that there just wasn't room for. And these are not just 
uh, hardcore fishing boats. They're pontoon boats, they're wakeboard boats, they're high-performance boats. We have a broad cross-section of boats uh, at, at Long Beach and Del Mar. And uh, Bakersfield, which is our new show, it has always had some boats, um, but it's never had many. And when we open the doors uh, to, to this year and start signing up boat dealers, um, I didn't really know what to expect. I don't think any of us did. Uh, but we have absolutely put so many boats on the map in Bakersfield. I'm a little nervous that we're going to fit them all in. It's a lot of boats at all three shows. <laughs> That's pretty cool and, stuff uh, right there. Yeah. So if you're, if you're looking for a boat or you think you might be interested in a boat, any of these shows are the show to go to. And while you're at it, you get to get all the benefits of all the other categories that are, that are at the shows. You know, we talk about all kinds of great products. You talk about the boats that are there. But, you know, people that have, you know, fat wallets or that are watching their dollars, there are destinations that are available there at the show that people can learn about. They want to schedule a staycation. They've heard about going to a Mexico. Or maybe they want something that's on their bucket list and they want to go really exotic You've got something for everybody there. We do. Uh, our travel exhibits, uh, rain, uh, they, they cover the gamut um, the, from, from the very economical uh, two-day type uh, trips all the way up to the, the mega-dollar trips where you're going to be gone for, for three weeks. Um, we cover all, all of the different demographics when it comes to that and most of the different places you would want to go. We have uh, two or three brokers that are involved in the show that uh, can take you anywhere in the world if, if, you're, if you're interested in that. But the majority of people are coming to the shows to see stuff that's at the more moderate range, and this is a place to get the deals. Um, one of the other things that people don't quite realize is the Fred Hall shows, the three shows, fall at the tail end of what we would consider the show circuit here in the West. Right. Most of them start in early January, and they end with our Delmar show. And uh, as the as the uh, the exhibitors go through the various shows, <clears throat> they know how much inventory of space and time they have for these trips. And once they leave Delmar, they're probably not going to sell anything else. So as as they wind down, I've noticed the pencils get a little bit sharper because they got to make sure that those places are full <laughs> before they get back to work. <laughs> you know, Mike, uh, uh, I've also, uh, you know, going to the Fred Hall shows for so many years, have uh, also been convinced that if you think that you can uh, go to work and take off from work at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and go see the Fred Hall show in Long Beach or Sandy or whatever it is and see the whole show, it ain't going to happen because the show is mentioned. How, how many square feet just in Long Beach are is the show actually taking up, Mike? Well, we take we take the entire facility, all outside available space, the entire arena, every hallway and lobby is ours for the entire show. And we typically don't have, literally, we typically, when we open the doors, don't have a 10-foot space left available for anybody, which worries me because if we made a mistake somewhere dealing with all of these booths and juggling them and someone ordered a booth that we somehow missed and they show up we literally don't have any place to put them that's how tight it is so in long beach you're looking at probably three hundred and fifty thousand square feet of exhibit space not counting the areas that we use in some of the more private areas for some of the seminars well definitely very me, comfortable shoes Dan, you know go ahead. Uh, wendy and i are both shooters and i know the last couple of years you the the uh People come in with the various gun manufacturers and and uh, 
salespeople, are they going to be there this year? Is that same type of arena going to happen? No, no. As a matter of fact, we have a very large hunting uh, and shooting sports exhibitor, Oak Tree Gun Club, which is taking, again, this will be their third year, I believe, yes, um, very large space, and they promote, and, and that's all they do is hunting and shooting. They do archery, they do a rifle, pistol, shotgun, and they will have firearms on display. However, they won't be for sale uh, at the show, but you can certainly see what they've got and get price quotes, and they'll tell you how to get to their facility. Turner's typically does bring a selection of guns as well, same, same deal, uh, to show what they have available. The problem we've run into with the manufacturers uh, the last two years, is there has been such a tremendous run on firearms that trying to convince a manufacturer to spend money to come out and try to sell something that they can't build enough of right. has been rather challenging. So we have, uh, we have not uh, uh, worked too hard this year to get the manufacturers in because we knew the positions they were in. And frankly, demand for space at the show uh, was so great that it was hard to be motivated to go out and and uh, and try to get that done, knowing that there was somebody already standing in line. We were kind of like the gun manufacturers. We knew we wouldn't have enough to sell, so why would we do that? But there's a very broad representation of hunting uh, outfitters. Um, there will be uh, several nice displays of gun safes and um, various safety-type items. And then, of course, uh, like I said, Oak Tree is filled with information for the shooters uh, because they run a beautiful range up in uh, the Santa Clarita area. And for anybody that has not visited that place, it's worth the drive. It's, it's fantastic. Um, what about um, RVs? What we about RVs and campers, Mike? Yeah, we don't have any RVs in Long Beach or Del Mar. Uh, Bakersfield is huge. There will be over 100 RVs on display and for sale in Bakersfield, and it is considered the Central Valley's largest RV show each year. And uh, we have been able to maintain that, even though we have added a whole bunch of boats, like I mentioned. We've been able to do it both. So uh, that is a show that is going to grow into something spectacular. Well, well now you have to go to much... both. you got to go to the, the Fred Hall show in Long Beach and the Bakersfield show to get it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, it all starts um, off in Long Beach, March uh, 1 through the 5th, then over to Bakersfield, the 10th, uh, the 10th through the 12th, and ends up in San Diego, March 23rd through the 26th. Mike, we're going to have to have you come back and, and tell us more. We just completely run a tie out of time, but if people want to find out more about the Fred Hall shows, where do they go? They can find us at fredhall.com, and like I said, on Tuesday, probably Wednesday for sure, all the seminar schedules will be posted, and you can check those out. But there's some information up there now, and each day we will be adding more and more until we get to the shows. Well, Mike, come on back and tell us more about what's happening about the shows. Sorry, it's just too much show to put into the amount of time that we got here. we got we got to have you back, Mike, okay? I would love to come back. We've got a lot more to talk about, but don't miss the shows. You're going to love them. All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's thank it for Mike. tonight. Yeah. Yeah, Stan? I just said thank you, Mike. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Well, I'm going to say thank you to the ladies and gentlemen that stayed around and listened to us tonight. Also want to thank Jorge and the AM540 Studios, Ben Harvey, our local producer here at San Diego. And always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Captain Eddie McCune that left us his legacy that is Ron Real Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go out and get them. Man, it's going to be a great week of fishing. We'll be here next week live to report on what's happening. So 
Pats. Join us again at 5.05 p.m. on AM 540 or at com. So until then, go out and get them, everybody. They're getting away. We're out for now. Where you left a row half done.